Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. Bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. Bullshit is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter. We're still doing our anti-vax series. This is episode 4.3, mm-hmm. Papa Bear. Yes. How you doing? Hot? You hot? Am I Ugh. making you hot? Hot. Yeah. Hot. And this whole series is taxing. Taxing. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got started um, on this, I went looking for a list of reasons that the anti-vaxxers give not to vaccinate. Now, I was careful mm. not to get this list from sites that are pro-vax, right. talking about the anti-vax position, because they might be spinning yeah. the anti-vax position. Right. So I found two sites. Uh, one is vactruth.com. The other is naturalnews.com. Mm-hmm. When I went looking for 10 reasons not to vaccinate. Now, funnily enough, both sites use the exact same list of talking points. Convenient. Different uh, drill downs okay. a little bit into the, two point, into the points, but the exact same list of points. Now... Huh. Is this a list of points that are being distributed by the Russians? I don't know. But I did run these lists past some of the people that have been emailing me about anti-vax and said, do these look like credible anti-vax concerns Ah. and claims? And they said, yes, they do. So hence, this is what I sent to you and said, let's use these as the talking points that we Drill down into and, and have a look into. Okay, I feel better now knowing that. And I'll put the, I'll put the, le- the links to these websites up, and people can look at them for themselves. But this is so. These are the talking points that I got off of these websites. Not necessarily the only talking points. You may have different ones. You may have heard different ones, but these are the ones that I have. Gotcha. There are many some things out there but this one is mine. mine. I don't know what that yeah. is. I can't remember whether. Rifle yeah. from the Marines. There is many out there like this but this one is mine, something like that. Yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Some some movie I got that from. Yeah. Um there are many penises <laughs> out there. But this one but is you mine. You've shown it to people, but I digress. <laughs> Rule uh, claim number 1. Right. Vaccines have never been proven safe or effective. Vaccine studies funded by pharmaceutical companies compare vaccine side effects from one vaccine to another. True scientific double-blind placebo studies have never been conducted on vaccines to determine their safety. Mm. Effectiveness cannot be determined unless one is then knowingly exposed to the disease entity following vaccination. Only antibody production is measured. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to break this down bit by all bit. Right. Um, first of all, some definitions. Uh, double blind. What is a double blind study, Ray? I think that is when they 
the tester and the subject are not sure of what they are giving or what they are getting. They are they they are blinded to what you know what they have. So neither one of them knows what's going on. The details as far as is it a placebo? Is it the actual thing? Is it something else? They're they're in the dark. Oh, shit, I thought it was when both of them had gotten smallpox. <laughs> no. And they no. were blind. They survived. <laughs> they were blind. They got yeah. married, and and each swore that the other person was the most handsome they've ever seen. Aww, it's a movie. Al <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pacino could play the blind guy, but he's too good looking. Smallpox love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the name of my album. Nice. Okay. Set in 1965, when two. <laughs> Redneck Christians decided not to get vaccinated right. and they got smallpox. Right. They survived, they became blind, and then they met each other and fell fell in love. Oh, I'm going to cry. Right. Uh, what's a placebo, Ray? Is that where you're getting, you're not getting anything, you're getting saline, and they just want to see... The uh, they I guess they're using you as a comparison to the other group that's actually getting whatever's being tested. Yeah. Now I've read some different definitions on this. Okay. Some definitions say a placebo is an inert substance ah. that's used in controlled experiments, um, so you can test the efficacy of the other substance, like you said, maybe saline, salt water. Right. So you inject one person with strychnine, the other person <laughs> with just salty water. Right. And see which one dies. Um, now, but other definitions I read that said the placebo has to be a substance as similar as possible to the active drug, huh. except that it has no therapeutic effect. Oh. Not doesn't need to be just inert. Right. So it has to mimic the active therapy as much as possible. This- because the placebo effect is a powerful phenomenon. And to truly measure the effect of the active product, it's important that all recipients are equally uh, as likely to think they received the real deal. So let's say, right. uh, I, you know, you, you don't know if you're getting injected with um, strychnine or not, mm-hmm. and, and you get your injection and you, you don't feel immediate uh, closure of the throat and and, uh, lightheadedness, you're going, hold on a second here. I should be dying right now. I'm not. This isn't right. I don't don't think this is the right. I think I got the fake one. It's an experiment. Then the experiment's not going to work, right? right? You have to to think. Well, you have to at least know. You you can't know. There can't be any signs, any indicators of what you got exactly. Yeah. So let's break the uh, the claim that I read out before down into its elements. So the first thing that jumps out at me about this complaint is that it's an argument about the scientific process. Mm-hmm. They're making a claim that no vaccines, that's implied, it says vaccines have never been proven, so no vaccines, have ever been proven safe. Right. Now, the second point is that double-blind placebo studies have never been conducted on any vaccines. Again, that's implied in the Mm -hmm. statement. The third point is that you can't know if a vaccine is effective until you expose someone to the disease after they've been vaccinated. 
So I'm going to break these one down one at a time and see how they hold up. First, no vaccines have ever been proven to be safe. Well, the first thing I would ask is what the definition of proven to be safe is. I. Uh- Yep. How yep. does one prove something is safe? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to do the good old boy theory here that if millions of people have been vaccinated and the majority of them are not dead or suffering or blind or whatever, it might not be effective, but it sounds like it's generally safe. Or, or is that too, too general? Yeah, no, I think they're trying to make this sound sciencey here. Uh, but there's a lot of wiggle room in how does someone prove something is safe. It's a bit like saying no one has proven God doesn't exist. Right. Getting back to the connection between anti-vaxxers and religious people and religion. Um, while it's true... That we can't say you can't prove that God doesn't exist. Right. We can comfortably say, and I do on a regular basis, that there is no empirical evidence that a supernatural being intervenes in the world, breaking the laws of physics. Right. I haven't seen it. On the contrary, we have enormous evidence that everything in the universe operates according to physical laws. Mm -hmm. So whilst we can't prove God doesn't exist, we can say with certainty that we have have no evidence that God does exist and therefore no reason to believe he exists. You're just choosing one side of the other. Apart from... Apart from the ramblings of some fervent believers. So how does that apply to science? Well, here's a tip. Whenever you hear somebody saying something about science not proving something, Mm -hmm. that's the first tip that this person knows nothing about science. As... uh, Dr. Jeff said on Facebook to me last night, put down the science, you're using it wrong. (laughs) Um, Now, again, I'm not, according to my lawyers, allowed to say that I'm a scientist. You are a sexy in a lab coat. Although. But not a scientist. Nobody knows more about science than me. I am not currently actively working as a scientist. That said... Uh, I met one once. No, like <laughs> I'm not claiming to be the font of all knowledge here, but I will give you what I think mm-hmm. science is all about, all right. based on books I have read oh, over the years. There we go. If somebody says science isn't proving something, they they either know nothing about science or they're trying to bullshit you because science isn't about proving anything. Mm-hmm. I talked about this a little bit now, the first episode of this series. Nowhere in the scientific method will you find the word prove. So here's my understanding of the scientific method. And and honestly, no one knows more about the scientific method than I do, Ray. The scientific method is a process by which we try to work out... (laughs) 
which theories are likely to be correct and separate them from the theories that are likely to be incorrect. I like it. It's like, uh, it's like my old bucket story. I've told you this before on shows probably several times. How do you figure out which things uh, are true? See, there's a big bucket of things mm-hmm. that might be true. All of the ideas that people have ever had about everything go into that bucket. Big bucket of things that might be right. true. Then you need to figure out which of those things you put into the small bucket of things which are likely to be true. Not proven to be true. We'll get to that. But likely to be true. Most likely to be true. Mm-hmm. Because you have to, to get through life. You, you, you have to pick some things that are likely to be true. Um, just, just to get through yeah. the day. You, you have to make some himself. judgment exactly. calls. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, now, that you need a process for sorting some things into the little bucket. Now, there are various ways you can go about it. Um, you can just believe whatever you want to believe. Mm-hmm. Plenty, of people, plenty of people choose that option. You can just believe the things that make you happy. All right. You can just believe things based on personal experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I saw a ghost once, therefore I believe ghosts exist. I've heard people say that. Um, You can believe the things that your parents believe Mm -hmm. or told you to believe. You can believe the things your friends believe or a thing a priest tells you to believe or something that a book written 2,000 years ago tells you to like, believe. It's okay if I touch you here. <laughs> or you can use some kind of rational process that can look at all of the theories and all of the available evidence and see which theories are eliminated huh. under examination and which survive right. the examination process, which is basically what the scientific method does. Okay. You take a theory... You read all of the available studies that have been done on that particular subject to date. You come up with your own study. You run the test. Mm -hmm. You evaluate the results. You write a report on the results. And then, and this is important, you publish the results in a credible scientific journal so other people who are knowledgeable in your field can bullshit filter your results. (laughs) Right. They will try and replicate your test and see if they get the same result, or they will say, "Well, your test was a bad test because you, you know, you you left the door open or you left the lights on or, or you you know you forgot to turn off the knob." Right. So there's a problem with your test. You know, they will they will use their expertise to analyze the quality of your test, and if it appears that the test was run well, then they will try and rerun the test, see if they get the same results. And if enough people, because you have to you have to do that to remove subjective right. opinion. Yes. Cognitive bias, right, yes. I- inside the mind of the science. The scientific process is there to remove cognitive biases. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get 10 people, 100 people to run the same test and see if they all come to the same conclusion. Because we know people are flawed. 
People make mistakes. Mm -hmm. People have biases. And so the scientific method tries to do the best it can to eliminate that as uh, an influence. Exactly. Um, Now, if if a lot of people replicate the test and they get the same results and the theory holds up better than any other theory, then this is what science will say. This theory is the best theory we have right now. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Till some better comes along, this is not. This is all we got. Yeah, not proving, but this is the best theory that we have right now. That's basically science. Now, yeah. in everyday jargon, right? Everyday dialogue between lay people, right. we may say things like, "Well, the theory of evolution is proven. We've got overwhelming evidence," or "The theory of the Big Bang has been proven. Mm-hmm. We have overwhelming evidence," or. The, th- <clears throat> the theory that Ray is bad in the sack has been proven. We have overwhelming evidence. Just ask Heather. Right. Um, but re- that's not science, right? That's that's lay people or even scientists speaking to each other or to lay people. We may use that right. as yeah, exactly. That's 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 casual water cooler <laughs> barbecue type chat about science, uh, <laughs> because but really. You know, if you really get into the nitty gritty mm-hmm. with a scientist about evolution or the Big Bang or Einstein's theories of relativity, they would say, "Hey, listen, sure, new evidence may come along tomorrow, next month, next year, hundred years from now, and we'll realize that was all wrong." Yeah. But we have so much evidence to support right. it, and no other better theories. That right now we're just going to assume that it's correct. Right. That's science. Right. That's science. Yeah. Because we know from experience that next year or 10 years from now, we might have better tools or better models or better evidence, different evidence, mm-hmm. and then rock and roll. <laughs> because scientists love, this is the big difference between science and, and religion, scientists love overturning previous theories. Yes. Get off on it. Their career, careers are built on mm-hmm. overturning new theories. Right. Einstein came along as a young man and said, <laughs> he fucked with you know what, Newton, <laughs> Newton, full of shit. <laughs> Newton is an idiot. People were like, how dare you, sir? And he goes, no, no, stay with me here. <laughs> Newton, completely wrong. Um, by the way, I've just been reading uh, Carlo Rovelli's book um, on you know, the 10 most important things to understand about physics, whatever it's right. called. Uh, great book if you haven't read it. Not not very detailed, very, very short, yeah. but quite poetic. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just love the fact that he, he, he talks about Einstein and uh, how his theories of special and their general relativity just overturned <laughs> so many things. And, and there were so many predictions that came out of it that people are like, no, that can't be right. If that's true, then this. And then, you know, yeah. 10 years, 50 years, 100 years later, we went, fuck, look at that. We've got evidence and it's right. Um, but I also loved when, he, when, when Einstein was uh, writing, I think it was his paper on uh, light where he, w- he invented quantum mechanics, mm-hmm. basically, where he said, you know, I think light is, is, is probably made up of small packets of energy. Wow. Uh, quanta, where quanta came from, mm-hmm. uh, a little quantity. Um, he, he started his paper by saying, it seems to me that, 
and Rovelli was going, look at that, so beautiful. Like he's not saying, I know, or here it is, bitches. Yeah. It's like you know, so humble. Yeah. It seems to me, yeah. uh, it occurs to me that is it's that kind of you know thing which I love that humility right. and um, genius. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, look, science loves overturning theories and coming up with new theories. Entire careers are built on them. Businesses are built on them. But also ideologies are built on them. And people being people, they cling to bad ideas. Yeah. But the, the way that it works usually with science is young scientists come up who don't have careers <laughs> built on the last generation's ideas, right. don't, you know, they, they call bullshit on them. They make their bones... Cocky overturning uh, the established ideas in science. Um, and science is built on calling bullshit on old ideas. Unlike religion. In fact, yeah. the rewards that science hands out, Nobel Prizes aren't given to people who agreed <laughs> with everybody else. Right. That's true. Good point. Nobel Prizes are given to people who overthrow science, overturn science, call bullshit on previously previously accepted ideas and come up with new ideas. Yeah, religion doesn't do that. Religion is built on you don't you don't get given the highest <laughs> award by the pope for proving that Jesus was wrong. Right. No. Because that whole thing that you mentioned about science and you ended with the Nobel Prize, that's called progress. And the church is not exactly known about uh, known for being progressive. So, when you say science hasn't proven it's safe, I reply, "Well, no, that's not how science works." Mm -hmm. And science says, "Look, based on the data we have and the tools that we have and the evidence that we have, we believe this is safe." Right. So this first claim from the anti-vaxxer website immediately gets a five out of five on my bullshit meter. Top marks. <laughs> Straight off the bat, when you say not proven, safe, right. and I'll get to safe, the word. I'm just dealing with the word prove right now. Now I'm going to get to the word safe. Okay. So that's an immediate, like somebody sending you an Alex Jones link or calling science a new religion. Is somebody As soon as somebody says... Something about it's not proven. Mm -hmm. Okay. Immediately, right. you know you're dealing with somebody who's either ignorant or deliberately trying to bullshit right. you. Yeah. Now, who is best positioned to determine if a vaccine is safe, Ray? Who would we take as the authority on such a statement? I would imagine um, either the people that make it or some lab that is there to test it. Uh, I don't know, doctors that use it or the patients that receive it. Hmm. Well, look, at, I think it's a, it's a legitimate question. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you can say, well, the people who make it have got a vested interest They're in convincing everyone that yeah, it's safe. Exactly, exactly. Well, well, we'll get okay. to that. Um, but like you have in America, you have the CDC. Mm -hmm. uh, Anti-vaxxers don't trust the CDC. Um, you have the World Health Organization. Right. Anti-vaxxers don't trust the World Health Organization. <sighs> you have government health departments. They don't trust government health departments. But you need to have somebody, Basis. journals, yeah. organization. Again, for the, the reason of heuristics, we we can't all be 
epidemiologists or, or bioengineers, we, right. we need to rely on some organization to fact check, to bullshit check these things for us. Mm-hmm. Now, none of them are going to be perfect and all of them are going to have flaws, but it's just how we have to do it. Right. Now, let's take the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization's position on vaccines are vaccines are safe. Mm-hmm. Any licensed vaccine is rigorously tested across multiple phases of trials before it is approved for use and regularly reassessed once it is on the market. Scientists are also constantly monitoring information from several sources for any sign that a vaccine may cause an adverse event. Most vaccine reactions are usually minor and temporary, such as a sore arm or mild fever. In the rare event a serious side effect is reported, it is immediately investigated. Yes. So if somebody tells you vaccines aren't safe, you have to say, according to whom? Right. To you? Because according to the World Health Organization, they are safe and they are tested. And the CDC says the same thing. But you, I mean, if you have something specific, but I've been all over their website and, and, and they're honest and they say, yeah, there are certain risks. You know, everybody reacts differently. And there's obviously many different factors that go in someone's age, someone's general health, even at the time, maybe they're, uh, they're, they're currently being affected by something. But generally, infections are safe and they do work. And, and so it pretty much repeats what the World Health Organization said. A 2011 report from the National Academy of Medicine reviewed more than 1,000 vaccine studies and concluded that serious reactions to vaccines are extremely rare. Now, yes, they do happen. Again, because of the nature of medicine, you can't foresee every particular instance, but the chances of serious injury from vaccines, according to every scientific organization on the planet, as far as I'm aware, Mm -hmm. are extremely rare. Now, there's a, you know, we can talk about the trade-off between the risk of catching a disease, which also are increasingly rare, um, but to a large extent because of vaccines, um, versus the risk of taking these things. That's a legitimate conversation to have. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone has a problem with that kind of a conversation weighing up the pros and cons and the risks of taking a vaccine versus the risks of not taking it. That's a, an entirely legitimate conversation. Yeah. I have no problem with that. But if you say that they're not proven to be safe, that is not a legitimate statement to make. Yeah. Yep. In my personal opinion. Right. And, and I'll just add on to that real quick because I have some other information about the whole placebo thing that I'm sure we'll go into in a moment. But for right now, uh, there was a doctor who was writing on the Skeptical Raptor website, and he was and he was going on and on and on about how, how these things are tested. Like you were saying a couple of minutes ago, vaccines are tested individually. Vaccines are tested in combinations. Vaccines are tested in, in ways that um, where they test it 
based on a schedule they think you should give to a human child. They also they also tested when they purposefully delay giving it to see if that will mess anything up, if it will make the child or the human being um, less immune to something or will it cause them to get sick. And sometimes they'll change the amounts. So if, if there's a cocktail, they'll change the amounts. These things go through so much testing before they can get there. Because again, you know, one, you could end up killing somebody. Two, you can... You can uh, you can have legal or uh, whatever repercussions from this. So this stuff, from what I can tell from this doctor talking about this process, this stuff is tested ad nauseum. It costs an incredible lot of money that we're going to go into later. But but as far as be, them being tested, for at the very least of not being safe, that is is 99% bullshit. Well, I'd say more than that. It's 100% well, okay. bullshit, was... depending on your definition of exactly. safe. Exactly. If you say, are they 100% safe to 100% of the people 100% of the time? No. no. But for different reasons. There's always a small Not risk. because of the testing. Like there's a risk when right. you... Right, There's a risk when you put any food in your mouth, yeah. when you climb in your car, when you go to a theme park, when you fly on a plane, when you walk outside... Mm-hmm. Of your house, when you're inside your house, when you turn on the electricity switch, there are risks involved in everything. So nothing is 100% safe, and we we acknowledge that in life, generally speaking. You're trying to minimize. This is all about risk minimization, exactly. Harm minimization. This report I mentioned before from 2011 that the National Academy of Medicine did where they looked at a 1,000 vaccine studies, the first comprehensive review of vaccine safety they had done in 17 years. A committee of experts formed by the Institute of Medicine, Mm -hmm. they concluded that the benefits outweigh the risks, wrote a 667-page report in which the committee, which was made up of 16 uh, experts, Mm -hmm. said that there was evidence that vaccines can cause health problems, Mm -hmm. including seizures, brain inflammation, rashes and fainting, but that those complications were extremely rare. Right. Now, the Institute of Medicine has reviewed the safety of vaccines 11 times since 1986 when the U.S. Congress enacted the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which we'll get into. That's a big issue that people have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I also immediately found a report from 2014 from the RAND Corporation where they had a group of researchers who looked at all of the scientific literature for vaccine-related studies. They turned up 20,478 Studies Damn. looking at studies of childhood vaccines as well as adult vaccines like flu shots. They then boiled this number down to 166 controlled studies mm-hmm. so they could compare the effects of being vaccinated with the effects of getting a placebo or no vaccination. Right. They found as a result of this that all of the vaccines commonly administered to kids and adults in the US are all safe and effective. Mm-hmm. So thousands of studies have been done on vaccines, including hundreds of controlled studies. This is the placebo and or double blind, which we'll get into. 
the World Health Organization, the CDC, the National Academy of Medicine, the RAND Corporation all declare that they are safe most of the time for most of the people. Mm -hmm. So as far as the science is concerned, I can say that you can be very confident that these are safe. So again, the claim that they aren't safe gets a five out of five on my bullshit meter. Unless there's a vast worldwide conspiracy to get these vaccines in us that are that they know are not safe, which obviously is most very, very unlikely. Well, if that is the claim, then back it up is what Good I'm point. saying. Support that with evidence and I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it. Good point. Now, the second point that they made in their claim was that double-blind placebo studies have never been conducted on any vaccines. Mm -hmm. Easily shown to be false. Um, Gardasil, which is the um, HPV uh, vaccine, human pampelona virus, uh, genital warts, that sort of thing. Right. Um, it was assessed in double-blind, randomised, placebo-controlled trials. They compared it with two different placebos. Mm. Um, now, one of them they used was an aluminium adjuvant. Uh, now, I think we need to uh, describe or explain an adjuvant because this is going to come up a lot. Adjuvants are, are things that are added to vaccines in order to help the immune response. There we go. They're designed to improve the uh, immune response, mm. so a greater amount of the antibody is produced, um, or to reduce the amount of active ingredient that's required, mm. because it can be difficult and expensive to produce the actual um, active right. ingredient. So, it, 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 so it can make it more effective, makes it cheaper, quicker, easier to produce, reduces the number of doses required, etc. Anyway. So this statement that uh, the there have never been any double-blind placebo studies done on any vaccines is immediately gets a five out of five on the bullshit meter. Right. Now, if they had said, however, that there have not been many double-blind placebo studies done on vaccines, they would get a better score. Mm-hmm. There have been there have been plenty of placebo studies done. As I mentioned before, the Rand Corporation looked at 166 of those, but are they all double blind? No. Right. But there's a good reason for that. Hmm. Now you'll often see in anti-vax literature they say double blind, randomized placebo studies are the gold standard of scientific studies. And yes, that is true. But there are reasons why it is difficult or uh, just plain out wrong to do these on vaccines, and I want to get into those. My understanding of it, anyway. Okay. Now, double blind uh, is gets harder to do if the placebo doesn't look and feel like the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said before that to truly to be double blind, people need to be able to not tell. Right, well, that's a bad way of putting it. People shouldn't be able to tell either the doctor or the patient what they've been given Mm -hmm. because the reaction that they have to it should be obvious. Now, when you get a vaccine shot, you get a flu shot, what happens? What do you mean? Like it's not rhetorical. The, I'm asking. The uh, reaction as far as your what are body? the side effects of getting a flu shot? Um, you can get yeah. you can get your joints can be sore. You can be tired. Um, 
low energy, that kind of thing. Get a lump on lump, your arm there we go, quite yeah. often, yes. you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's quite obvious to ah, most people see your point. or to the doctors administering it right. whether or not you've got a placebo or the actual vaccine. So if you're not showing or feeling, if you're the patient, mm-hmm. the effects that you would normally get, people have had vaccines before, They're they know, know what to expect right. if they get a vaccine. If they don't get it, then they start going, oh, I don't think I got it. Now, if they start thinking that, then the placebo effect kicks in. Mm-hmm. The placebo effect being, uh, you know, how your body psychosomatically responds to you thinking you only got a placebo or you didn't get a placebo. That's a real thing, and there's plenty of studies that indicate that that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And doctors can obviously tell as well uh, through a variety of indicators whether or not you've got the real thing or placebo. Um, But there's only 166 placebo studies that Rand Corporation looked at. Why are they all tested under placebo studies? Well... It's about ethics, Mm -hmm. and I can't say ethics without playing this. I'm talking about Frank. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about... Hell, Leo, I ain't embarrassed to use the word. I'm talking about ethics. You know I'm a sporting man. I like to lay the occasional bet, (laughs) but I ain't that sporting. When I fix a fight, say I uh, pay a three-to-one favor to throw a goddamn fight, I figure I got the right to expect that fight to go off at three-to-one. But every time I lay in bed with a son of a bitch burning burn bomb, before I know it, the odds is even up. Or worse, I'm betting on the short money. The sheeny knows I like short things. He's selling the information, I fixed the fight. Out-of-town money comes pouring in. The odds go straight to hell. I don't know who's selling to it. Maybe the Los Angeles combine. I don't know. The point is, Bernie ain't satisfied with the honest dollar he can make off the Vic. He ain't satisfied with the business I do on his book. He is selling tips on how I bet. And that means part of the payoff that should be riding on my hip is riding on someone else's. So, back we go to these questions. Friendship. Character. Ethics. So it's clear what I'm saying. As mutt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a little lost there, uh, but yeah. Honor among oh, thieves. I, I love that. Miller's Crossing, great. The very great uh, late actor John Polito is Johnny Caspar. One of the Coen mm-hmm. brothers' best films, Miller's Crossing. He was in a lot of their films, Big Lebowski, Barton Fink. Um and, uh, yeah, just love that. It's about ethics, Leo. <laughs> Bernie Birnbaum, the smarter kid. <clears throat> and, um, of course, Leo, played by the now late great Albert Finney. Polito Aww. died in 2016. Albert Finney died February 2019. Just <clears throat> great actors. Some of my favorite. One of my favorite films, Miller's Crossing. Had to play that. Ethics. It's about it. Yeah. So getting back That's to right. why they don't do placebo studies on vaccines. Right. To do a large, like, th- think of it like this. To do a large, double-blind, randomized placebo trial like the anti-vaxxers want, mm-hmm. you'd have to take a huge group of kids, thousands of kids, 
give half of them the vaccine, give half of them nothing, a placebo, right, and then wait several years or maybe decades yeah. to see which half of them dies. Now, <laughs> yeah. how many of them die? Now, it's just unethical to do that. If you have a right. vaccine that is believed to be safe and effective, Get then you have an ethical... Well, you have an ethical decision to make, right? Oh, so okay. the ethical decision, they do do trials, but not that kind of a trial because they're trying to get this to market as quickly as possible to save as many lives as possible. Try is Again, this isn't about perfection. This is about risk minimization, harm minimization. Because people's lives are on the line, kids' lives are on the line. Now you might argue, well, they're on the line if you give them a dodgy drug. Yes, that's why there are lots of trials done to ensure Mm -hmm. that these things are as safe as possible before we get it out into the market, and then they're monitored afterwards and all that kind of stuff. So to give them a placebo and run a big randomized trial like that would be exposing them to risk. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, though. The suggestion that the lack of the suggestion is that the lack of double-blind placebo trials equates to the vaccines not being safe, which, if we as we've seen, isn't supported by the evidence. So I still give this one a big five out of five on the bullshit meter. Yeah, and and if I could just uh, give another example of, uh, I think in this the, the very first one that you read about you know being proven safe or effective in that true scientific double-blind placebo studies have never been conducted on vaccines to determine their safety. I think that's that's someone who's writing it down, being very careful with their words, trying to either mislead or confuse the issue because there's something else besides um, placebos. And that's like you said a second ago, not giving the other group anything because there was this one example when Swedish and Danish researchers examined autoimmune problems to see if HPV um, vaccines that you were talking about earlier um, to, to, uh, to see if the HPV causes any kind of uh, problems with the immune system. Uh, they compared almost 300,000 young women who got the HPV vaccines, and they compared them to 600,000 people who didn't. They didn't get a placebo. They didn't get something that was close to it. They just, they just did, you know, it was like saline or whatever. So the control group didn't um, receive um, the vaccine. Uh, they didn't receive a, a mock-up of the vaccine. They simply just didn't get it at all. And so when the rates of autoimmune diseases are similar to those who got the vaccine and those who didn't get anything, it's difficult for anybody to claim that the vaccine causes autoimmune diseases. So the point I'm, I'm saying is they're trying to they're trying to narrow the field of what you can and can't do or what you should do in order to satisfy them. So yes, placebos are important for very specific reasons that you just went into, but some tests, they don't give anything at all because they just want to truly remove any chance of of any, anything similar to the vaccine causing the same problem. That's what they truly want to test. And I just found the wording of that very first um, idea from the anti-vaxxers that we were trying that the idea that they were putting out there, not that they were trying to be mean about it, but we're trying to deconstruct it as carefully as they are putting it together to get their point of view across to everybody and maybe try to change people's minds. 
Which begs the question, if the first point on this list of 10 points fails so utterly and badly, should we even bother doing the other nine points? Um, Yeah, I think we... Yeah, I yeah. think we should. I think we should. But just because something is proven safe, um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you make a. I mean, I you're joking, but you make a pretty good fucking point. If it's proven safe and it's proven effective, I don't know if we've really done the effective part. But at the very least, we've proven that there are a lot. There's a lot of testing that goes into wait, these wait, things. Wait, 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 wait. I there. just, yeah, I just went to extreme lengths to say that we don't say proven safe. Now you're Sorry. saying they have been yeah, proven I safe. I, no, I was reading the. Um, I was re- rereading the uh, statement from the anti-vaxxers, but I see your point. <laughs> what we've said is that all of the studies suggest that they are safe for most of the people most of the right. time, and when they when they do have side effects, they are usually minor. Although there can be examples of major side effects, but the trade-off uh, is deemed to be worth it. Now, the it's, third point that they made in this original thing is that you can't yeah. know if a vaccine is effective unless you expose someone to the disease after they have been vaccinated. Again, not right. true. Um, you can look at the antibodies that are in their system, and here's the thing. We know how antibodies work. This isn't magic. Uh <laughs> Magic. Sorry. I mean... <laughs> SpongeBob. Uh, Alexander Fleming came invented penicillin when he noticed that uh, a Petri dish that had some sort of uh, virus, uh, bacteria in it were being... Uh, which one? I can never... What's... Which one does penicillin work on, Ray? Bacterial virus. Oh, God. My, my medical degree is... Yeah. It's, it's uh, failing uh, us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Bacteria. Okay. <clears throat> penicillin, uh, was, something was killing the bacteria in his uh, uh, little Petri dish. Right. And he was like, oh. Um, look, we know, how, we know how antibodies work. This isn't magic. Yeah. Um, so... We then can also look at how well vaccines work, and and as you know, as you said, there's been plenty of studies on how well vaccines work, the incidence of people that are vaccinated catching diseases than people aren't. So, but vaccines, the efficacy of vaccines is actually the next um, point here. So let's just jump into point two with the short amount of time that we have left. We'll try and get started on this. So point number two they make is vaccines do not work. Mm. And the the not is uh, capitalised in the version that I've got. <laughs> they may create a temporary increase in antibodies for a particular disease, but this does not equate to immunity to disease. Vaccines, with all of their toxins and their unnatural way of introducing disease directly into one's bloodstream, mm-hmm. decrease cellular immunity, which is more critical for one's immune system. Neurologist Russell Blaylock has lectured and written extensively on this subject. Mm. Um, Oh, here we go. They keep going. When there are outbreaks of disease, unvaccinated children are often blamed. Whenever the outbreaks are examined more closely, the data show that the majority is the majority of those suffering have been vaccinated for the disease. 
Disease charts show that diseases were mostly eliminated prior to the creation of vaccinations. What is truly responsible for most communicable disease elimination is clean water and improved sanitation. So before vaccines came on the scene big time, as in becoming mandatory, and a lot of people started getting them, because we were getting better with clean water, we were getting better with sanitation, general health improved, got stronger, and people were more resilient. So it's not the vaccines that are saving us and making things like smallpox and whatever else disappear. It's the better uh, living conditions that we have, and there's not as much filth going around is that what we're supposed to believe except on this podcast lots of filth on our podcast (laughs) people listen and they get sick the best filth the best filth people tell me all the time yeah but let's break this one let's break this one down into its parts again vaccines do not work Hmm. Okay, well, we've just seen plenty of scientific studies that say they do work, so show me your studies that say they don't. And then when you do, I'll say, sorry, was that study done by a scientist? I thought you don't believe in scientists. (laughs) Game over. Um, Right. let 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 me take this part from their first sentence. This does not equate to immunity to disease. Well, nobody says that's what vaccinations do. Again, this is like proven to be safe. No one says that they create immunity. Here's what the Australian government says. Vaccines strengthen your immune system by training it to recognise and fight against specific germs. Mm. When you come across that virus in the future, your immune system rapidly produces antibodies to destroy it. In some cases, you may still get a less serious form of the illness, but you are protected from the most dangerous effects. So nothing about immunity. Immunity is not like flicking a light switch. There's no simple on-off button. Sometimes an individual's immune system just doesn't respond to a vaccine like we expect it to. Or perhaps sometimes the vaccine you're given isn't as potent because it's out of date or it hasn't been stored correctly. In the real world, these things can happen. Everybody's bodies are different. They react to things in different ways. Right. And so no one is suggesting that there is... Immunity. No one is saying you get a vaccine and you become Superman and Thank bullets you. bounce off you. Right. You're, wel- you're welcome. Why are you? Oh. Yeah. No, no, because when, re- when I was reading this and I came across this argument, and, and, I'm, sitting there, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, am, am I really reading this right? Or is, is one of their tenets or one of their, their arguments that because you're vaccinated, you're not immune? I know I'm not immune. I can still get, I can still be exposed to a disease. But like you were saying, my, uh, the antibodies are going to recognize it. The system's going to recognize and antibodies are going to be produced. I might get a little sick. I, I might get a weaker version of it, or I might not feel it at all. I know I'm not immune. It's just that my body's ready to handle it because I've been exposed to it before. I, I can't even believe that this is a part of their argument because they are so truly splitting hairs it's not even should should even be taken seriously i, I they're, they're equivocating over words i guess well they're just they're they're, they're reaching they're, pre, they're they're pretending that 
the you know, governments and, and science is making a particular claim and then debunking that straw man claim. It's a straw man argument gotcha, that they're okay. building up and then debunking. It's a classic logical fallacy. No one's saying that they do that. Um, so, so this gets a five out of five on the bullshit meter. Then they talk about this guy, Russell Blaylock, mm-hmm. who's their authority on cellular immunity. Um, he's also an InfoWars commentator who thinks Obama oh, introduced healthcare in order to impose euthanasia. Let's have a listen to Russell Blaylock, their authority here. You get a sense for what I'm talking about. And re-regulate how much it produces, how much it pays its employees, uh, what is their work hours, what is their... uh, Exactly. The communists can't ever run anything but a death camp, so they just sit back and you run your operation and they siphon it off and tell you what to do. That's exactly right. That's what national socialism was. That's what fascism in Italy was. And that's what we have today, what's called corporatism. Now, if you look back in the history of collectivism, it was based on the corporate model. They love the corporation because the corporation has an elite board that makes all the decisions, regiments all of its employees, controls all the systems and everything within the corporation. And they said, what we need to do is produce a corporate America and then a corporate world in which a giant corporation rules everything. Everybody thinks this is government taking over corporations. No, it's just the opposite. It's corporations taking over the government. Because what you have is Council on Foreign Relations. Look at the list of people in Council on Foreign Relations. It's the CEOs and directors of every major uh, corporation in the United States. Look at the Trilateral Commission. Same thing. All the major international corporations and financial houses. Look at uh, Bilderberger. By the way, I have to say that uh, while he's talking, InfoWars is putting up clips of websites. Here's one. Complaints mount against Michelle Obama's new lunch menu. Uh, What that overlay has to do with what this guy's talking about, I do not know. But here's the thing. So this guy's going on about corporations running America, and he's right, but he was making the the connection. He's trying to suggest that the communists and fascists, by the way, two completely different things, run the corp who hate each other, killed each other, <laughs> run the corporations. <laughs> communists are running oh, the capitalist corporations no. because the fascists and the communists are really secretly behind capitalism. <laughs> That's deep. That's deep. And uh, so that is the guy that they're putting forward as their authority on cellular immunity. Uh, so sorry. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, Russell Blaylock is also the visiting professor in the biology department at Bellhaven University, you guessed it, a Christian university <laughs> in Mississippi. <laughs> so then our anti-vaxxers go on to say that whenever outbreaks are examined more closely, the data show that the majority of those suffering have been vaccinated for the disease. Now, this is another one that is actually kind of half true, but they're misrepresenting it. Ah, okay. Um Again, as I said before, immunity is not like a light switch. There's no on-off button. So sometimes, for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. vaccinations don't work to 100% effectiveness. So let's imagine a theoretical scenario. Imagine there's an outbreak of some disease in a school. All right. A number of the vaccinated kids who get sick will often outnumber the unvaccinated people who get sick. 
because right. there are the majority of kids are vaccinated. Yeah. Right? So yeah. in Australia, for example, I know it's, it's a bit different different countries, but in Australia about 95% of five-year-olds are fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a group of 100 five-year-old kids who have been exposed to an outbreak of some disease. Of those 100 kids, 95 have been vaccinated and five have not. Ah. Now, different um, vaccinations have different rates of protection. In, like Even if they're properly administered, they mm-hmm. will still have different rates depending on you know, the, the biology of the kid who gets it. Then uh, you will have incidences where they're delivered out of date or they're not stored properly, all those sorts of things. Right. So if if, if you get uh, a vaccination, if the 95 kids that are vac- vaccinated, uh, the vaccination is only 98% successful, then two out of the 95 kids, sorry, 2% out of the 98 kids will get the disease, which is about 1.9 kids. Mm-hmm. If it's less, if it's like uh, 90% successful because it hasn't been delivered properly, stored properly, they haven't had their full vaccination for it, right. they've only had one dose, not two yeah. doses or something like that, then 10% of them will get the disease. 10% of 95 would be 9.5. So you end up with 9.5 of the vaccinated kids get a form of the disease and only and the 5% of the kids who are unvaccinated, let's say they all get the disease. So you go, aha, mm-hmm. see, look, more of the right. vaccinated kids got the disease than the unvaccinated kids. But then you need to look – so then you need to look at a different level too. The version of – how, how – um, uh, strong the disease is in the vaccinated kids versus the unvaccinated kids. Did the unvaccinated kids have more effects of the disease? Were they in hospital longer? Were they sicker, et cetera, et cetera, than the vaccinated kids? Plus, of course, if if none of the kids were vaccinated, then 100% of the kids would get the disease and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, Quite often you will see that more of the people that get the disease in an area were vaccinated, but you have to look at that next level of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how badly did they get the disease? You know, how long were they hospitalised for? How long did they have the, the effects of the disease for? How powerful was it? Just because um, this um, notion that the vaccines do not work and that the um, the diseases were reducing as far as the rates um, before vaccines became commonplace, uh, this argument used um, several charts by, charts by Dr. Raymond Abumsawin. I don't know how to say his name. But anyways, he's got several graphs showing that like between 1850 and 1940 um, in England and Wales, the death of children under age of 15 from various things, scarlet fever, diphtheria, whooping cough, was had gone down like 90%. But there was, and there's like seven or eight charts in, in different ways showing this. But there was another doctor, Dr. David 
uh, Gorski from the website Science Based Medicine, who pretty much just went in and tore this guy apart. And he, like you, because you were saying that people don't go in and read the details, he went and he looked at the original charts that this guy had used. And this guy literally manipulated them, left a dec- decade out here and there to get the charts to reflect what he was trying to say that it was the general improvement of water, of uh, maybe the food, um, living conditions were getting better. And so all these diseases were going, fading away on their own and, and immunizations had nothing to do with it. But uh, so he goes on even further and he says, uh, you know, like when it comes to, when it comes to polio, people would get polio, they would develop paralysis of the respiratory muscles and they would die. But then we develop the things like the iron lung and it sucks to be in that thing. But the point is it could keep you alive. So medicine was also improving. And the same doctor Abum Sawin, however you say his name, he was also an HIV and AIDS denier. But again, he's, I think he's got something to sell. He's, he's pushing, he's pushing his agenda. But then this is, this is some of the bad things that we're going to see time and time again. It's when medical professionals hear these kind of things, they see these reports, they believe them, and they implement them into their practice. So in, in the UK, the United Kingdom, Dr. Abbasawin's advice was taken, and within the UK, they cut back on their pertussis vaccine, and this was in 1974. By the end of the year, in early 1975, they had an epidemic of more than 100,000 cases, and they had 36 deaths. Japan did the same thing with the same results. Sweden did the same thing with the same results. And so it seems that if we do stop vaccinating, these diseases can and will come back. And I know that's circumstantial evidence, but again, these these countries cut back based on his research, which was found to be faulty, purposefully faulty. And these these sicknesses, these diseases that we thought we'd get rid of or cut back came roaring back. So again, that's just to me, another example about, I don't know how safe these things are, but these vaccines by a large margin do seem to be effective. When, um, yeah, we'll get into this in the next episode, but when you uh-huh. see these graphs, and I've had a number of people pull out these graphs, Right. Showing the decline in deaths from these diseases um, before the vaccinations were available. Um, <clears throat> the thing to look at is what the graphs are showing. The graphs are showing declines in deaths, right. but get them to show you the uh, level of cases, of incidents. How many people were oh. catching the disease? Right. Before the vaccination versus after the vaccination. Um, <laughs> dying from it isn't the only metric that we want to look at here. How exactly. many people were catching it? And we'll talk about that more on the next episode when we get into measles and statistics and that sort of stuff. So we'll leave that for next time. That'll be episode 4.4. Hope you're um, enjoying this. And again, I just want to finish by reminding people that what I'm trying to do with this isn't making fun of, of the anti-vaxxers right. and calling them stupid or anything like that. Again, what I'm interested in is the claims that people make and believe and why they believe what they believe, how we know what we know, who do we turn to for our sources, how do we evaluate our sources, and also how we define ourselves, our self-identity, as I said in the first episode. Are you the kind of person who is motivated to find the truth, 
get to the facts to the level of your ability with the time and intelligence and resources that you have? Right. Or are you people who just are willing to believe things because it it it, it confirms what you already believe and um, how we go yourself. about conducting ourselves? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. not that it's not that easy, but it it, it, it takes it takes a lot of effort to overcome the Dunning Kruger effect. Mm. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> Thanks, buddy. Uh, Thank we'll we'll do more of this next month. By the way, if people haven't already worked out, I should have said this in the episode. I don't think we're going to do a news show each week while we're doing this. Too much, too much to do this and yeah. the news show. So we're going to pause the news shows for a while while we do this. I think unless something big happens and. No. <clears throat> Until the Mueller report is released, I guess then we'll have to do one. Right. All right.